Yes, it was a shutout victory, 31 to nothing over Iowa. Yes, it was a historic win with Penn State doing something they haven't done from the 90s. But Penn State has a lot of bigger things ahead of them on the schedule, including the way that it breaks for Ohio State. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is a live post game show for a locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Zach Seiko. I'm your host of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply wearing all white to kind of go with the white out because since I don't go as a fan anymore, I guess this is my way of trying to express that. Yes, I do like Penn state. That's why I do this show, right? I am a, a Nittany lions fan at heart here. Bring him back from happy Valley insider.com Dylan Callaghan Crowley to talk just for the opening segment, but this post game show is going to go over the course of close to an hour Zane Bransfield will be joining us in the second half of the show. We're talking everything, big picture stuff to start, and then going back through and talking about Iowa and then Northwestern. Just get some initial thoughts uh, on the Wildcats with myself and Zane. But Dylan, this is, this is something we broke down initially with the instant recap we did in the tunnel of Beaver Stadium since they didn't let us on the field. It was, yes, 31 to nothing is very impressive. But Penn State, we joked about it that Penn State essentially has three bye weeks before going into Ohio State. Northwestern, I I get it. It's on the road. It's a Big Ten game, but it's, come on, Northwestern is just not, they are not as competitive as they need to be. And then you do have a literal bye week where you can rest and you just work on it. You just practice and you work on the little thing. And then you got UMass, and UMass, from an analytics standpoint, ranks as 130th. Or around there. Some places have them 128th. I'm not going to split hairs. They are close to 130th when it comes to FBS teams. So right now, Penn State has three weeks where they can fine-tune some things and, more importantly, save their best plays, save all of their energy, try to remain as healthy as possible, get the backups in, get them valuable reps before they go to Columbus and play the Ohio State Buckeyes in what ultimately could be a top-five showdown. Yeah, after, you know, this week going for it, moving on to 4-0 on the season, Penn State, I mean, not to be mean to Northwestern and UMass, but based off, what we've, <laughs> but based off what we've seen out of Penn State for four weeks and what we've seen out of those other two teams, Penn State essentially has three weeks here where they don't really need to do anything. They haven't had to do anything special all year, but they still don't have to do anything special. They could legitimately put out – their second team for the entirety of the Northwestern UMass and still probably win and win. Yeah. Northwestern, they'd still win by double digits of at least and UMass, they'd still win in blowout fashion. Uh, I mean, in a way it's three bye weeks for Penn state. Like, yeah, you got to respect the opponent on the other side and Penn state's not going to treat it like three bye weeks, but if Northwestern UMass, is close. I mean, we, we don't even need to talk about Ohio State or Michigan because if, if those two games are closed, there's no chance Penn State beats Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah. Penn State really just over the next three weeks, obviously they have the bye week. So the next two games, 
really just need to come out, play their game, stay healthy, not get, not try to do anything special. Just get in and out with a win. If, if they do that, they should win both of these games by thir- 35 points plus. I mean, this Northwestern team, I know they just beat Minnesota last night, but this is not a good Northwestern team. This is a team that Penn State should absolutely dominate against, much like they did against Iowa on Saturday night. I mean, I if Iowa can only have 75 total yards in this game, what is Northwestern going to have? I mean, I'm sure they'll somehow find a way to break 100, which will make mm-hmm. Iowa's performance on Saturday night all the more hilarious. But, I mean, this is shaving up for Penn State to really just, you know, use the next three weeks to clean up the little things, get everything going in full gear. So when you arrive in Columbus on October 21st at – uh, I'm assuming that'll be at 12 p.m. But as soon as they walk into Ohio Stadium for kickoff on October 21st, they can go head to head with the now number four ranked Buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah. For Penn State, I think the most important thing is the, the two things, right? Yes, there is hiding plays and because and, that's what Michigan's doing, right? Michigan isn't overly dominating. And this is something just outside, you know, just kind of bantering about college football, which is a good thing that we got the chance to do being at Beaver Stadium together, Dylan. And Michigan's not overly dominating opponents. Penn State, to an extent, they they dominated Delaware, yes, but that's because that's an FCS team. But you walked away from West Virginia, okay, it was good enough. You walked away from Illinois, okay, it was good enough. Iowa was that statement victory. You still feel like maybe there was a little more that could have been added on top of it. But it was still it was still enough because they aren't establishing the ground game that you would like them to. The explosive plays still aren't there. And it's like, okay, yeah. where are they? I haven't watched too much Michigan football. I haven't like I'm not deep diving into the tape because we're not at the Wolverines yet. But looking at box scores, looking at highlights, seeing what JJ McCarthy, Blake Horm, and the rest of them are doing. The team, and it's like, well, Michigan isn't overly dominant like they normally are. They're doing the exact same thing Penn State is here, biding their time conserving plays when you go into games like delaware umass and even a northwestern you are not taking your best playbook with you that's just Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter i've even talked to high school coaches about this and they say yes when we know that we're playing in an inferior opponent we are not we are not deep we are not going into the extended part of the playbook it is very vanilla we're taking basic plays because we have to save things for games where we know we're going to need them to win And that's exactly what Penn State's doing right here. So I'll say this about the ground game specifically. I am not worried about Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, having all the explosive plays. Oh, there's no 80-yard touchdowns. Uh, Catron Allen isn't breaking open for 40, 50-yard plays down the field. Those are going to come in due time. It's chess, not checkers. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I think Penn State is working on, because right now it is a little weak. The interior ground game is not good. Am I worried about it, though? No, because I think they can continue to improve it and fix it against teams like UMass, Northwestern, and then the actual physical bye week so that it is ready for Columbus, so that it is ready to host Michigan in November when those games make or break your season, okay? Northwestern, UMass do not make or break your season. Don't lose to them because then your season's completely broken and shattered to pieces. But you don't even have to imagine a scenario where that happens. I get it. It's out in Eviston. It's a conference matchup. 
never say never never on any given Saturday, a any given kick. Sunday. But I I think Penn State, it's just Northwestern and UMass are so far back right now, just yeah. where their programs are. And I credit to Massachusetts for the way they're trying to rebuilding, bringing in yeah. uh, Coach Brown and then uh, Northwestern, just trying to keep it all together. Coach David Braun just doing what he can with, with what he has available to him. I, I respect both programs and, and their ongoing rebuild. It's going to be a long ongoing rebuild yeah. at that. But for Penn State, this is the time. Get your backups in because you can get the true freshmen acclimated. Those guys who have played reserve roles for one or two years now, get them acclimated because at a moment's notice, Dylan, they might have to go in against Ohio State and they better be prepared. Yeah, and that's what these next couple of weeks are really about, just building that depth. I yeah. mean, we've seen Penn State every week now. Bo Verbeel has gotten snaps. I mean, I don't know. We expected that. I mean, uh, to do it one week against like West Virginia, sure, at the end there, Sure, but to do it on the road against Illinois and then do it against Iowa, one of the better defenses you're going to face all season, very impressed for Penn State now. Against Northwestern UMass, Bo Perbio, that second-team offense, that second-team defense, guys like Tony Rojas, King Mack, all those freshmen, all the redshirt freshmen should get a ton of playing time against Northwestern UMass, which is only going to help against Ohio State, against Michigan. I'm thinking of the offensive line too. Javen Williams, Anthony Donko, maybe a, a Chimney Ono. We still haven't seen Alex Birchmeyer, but I'm not going to read Absolutely. too much into that. Uh, but the true freshman offensive lineman who could go in at a moment's notice, and yep. this is one of the most deep offensive lines that Penn State has had, but depth can change very quickly. As we saw a season ago, Olu Fashionu becomes unavailable. Caden Wallace is in and out of the lineup. Sal Wormley's forced to play with bumps and bruises. Hunter Norzad has bumps and bruises. Marty yep. naming four players who are on this offensive line have dealt with that injury history. And I'm not, knock on wood, wood desk. So I don't like to speak it to an, into existence. But Penn State knows this. Penn State has had that trial and error when they went out to Kinnick Stadium yep. where they played against Iowa. And they didn't have take one rovers. And I'm not saying that James Franklin was stubborn and saying, no, we can never play our backup quarterback because that's not the way to do things. And I'm not saying he had this big change of heart, but you also have to be in a position where your players do need to be able to show that they are prepared enough. So the yes. reason these backups are getting into games is because they've earned it. It's not the take one Roberson yep. probably didn't earn it at that point in time, even before Iowa, because why wasn't he getting more in-game action? We already knew what Sean Clifford could do after four or five years with the program. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of speaks volumes now that Penn State is getting the backups who are prepared to play because they're putting him in the game, not because they have to, but because they can, because they've earned it. Yeah, and I think what's the best way to put it is, I mean, Franklin over the last few years, or the last year or so, has been saying it's, it's better to get your second team in there, your third mm -hmm. team in there. And get those guys reps, get them competitive football, even if it means you give up the shutout. Getting that development time is they much didn't give up the they didn't do they didn't give them the shutout this time. They didn't they give did up the shutout this time. They did not. <laughs> but getting that development time is much more crucial to the program's success than the ego of trying to keep that shutout intact or whatever it may be. Obviously, that was they, they were able to do both against Iowa of yep. for the most part. Didn't get the backups a ton of time, especially on the defense side of the ball. On defense, right. But they got them still a couple reps, which which over the course of the season, those reps add up to 
quality amount of playing time probably you know over the course of the season a game or so of time for these young younger guys which is big um Mm -hmm. but yeah i definitely think he definitely probably changed his philosophy a little bit after that game a couple years a couple years ago in iowa just because before that we, we didn't really see penn state go to the younger quarterbacks much i think what was I think it was before that Iowa game, they faced Indiana at home and they defeated Indiana 28 nothing. But the game was out of reach in the third quarter. And I kept wondering myself, why isn't Takon Roberson getting more time in this game? Get him some valuable snaps because, God forbid, if something would have happened to Sean Clifford, which something did happen to Sean Clifford, Takon Roberson had to be ready to go, get the two step in and be able to move the offense and when Clifford did get hurt it they had to go to Robertson who had minimal experience and it cost them a game in Iowa City if they if they have Robertson more prepared heading into that game they still may end up winning that game and who knows how that season would have progressed after that because they clearly you know weren't confident Robertson going up against Illinois that year so they put up a banged up Sean Clifford at quarterback it uh, healthy enough to play but obviously healthy not healthy enough to move around and that cost him that game um, but i definitely think that injury to clifford and the how that impacted that season definitely changed franklin's philosophy and how he wants to get these younger guys experience and in college football the depth is where you win and lose national championships yeah, it certainly is i like i don't think it was a complete change of heart but yeah. it was a change in philosophy because Drew Aller, there was a blueprint of how they wanted to bring him up yes. as the next quarterback, the next face of the offense. But I also think it is, if you haven't earned it on the practice field, you're just not right. going to get in the game. Okay. Yep. Malik McLean, for an instance here, I didn't really, I don't think he saw an offensive snap uh, against Iowa here. And that might uh, have something I, I, he didn't show up on that injury report. That is now mandatory. James Franklin has to say who's available. Who's not on an injury report. For the he, game, uh, but uh, he didn't. He didn't have any impact plays for sure. He didn't have any targets. Uh, he might have snuck out there for one or two snaps, but it wasn't. The play was not designed to him. And I wonder if that has to do something. Did he have a bad week of practice? But that's what I'm saying. Penn State is not going to put players out on the football field if they haven't earned it. And those true freshmen are showing behind the scenes that they have. Yeah, he was out there just for three uh, passing snaps yesterday. So Malik McLean. You know, we saw him look good the first two weeks, had those drops last week against, or now two weeks ago against Illinois. Illinois. And now this week, uh, he had just three snaps offensively. Was he a little banged up? Who knows? We won't find out until maybe he pops up on an injury report. But that, that, yeah, absolutely agree with your uh, statement there about how these guys haven't earned it on the practice field. They're not going to get that experience in game and uh i absolutely 100% agree with you that it's not a change of heart because it was that you would just be throwing out all the young guys out there just to get them experience you still have to earn that playing time and those who earn it if they do well they earn more playing time if you do you know you do poor and you don't build show improvement on that over the course of the next few weeks you uh you lose that playing time 
Dylan, always appreciate the time, especially in this opening segment here on a live post-game show. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining me, and always good to see you at Beaver Stadium for any Penn State home game. Absolutely. We'll I'll see you soon, Zach. All right, Dylan Callaghan Crowley from HappyValleyInsider.com, Penn State Rivals. Now, still more to come on this live post-game show in just a moment, but first, let's hear from one of our sponsors of today's episode, and that is LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to post a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, add your job, and then the purple hiring frame to let people know that you are in fact hiring to spread your word. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, just the right experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And Locked On Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for happyvalleyinsider.com. Check them out for all the latest. Dylan Callaghan Crowley coming over from happyvalleyinsider.com, Penn State Rivals, and the recruiting news as well that's come along with this now. DJ McClary committing, four-star linebacker, class of 2025. Penn State projects to land a class of 2025 four-star running back in Tyke Hayes. And that his commitment actually comes tomorrow, uh, Monday, September 25th. So Penn State, good, exciting things are coming for Penn State football. But back to just this whole, this three, next three weeks are so valuable for Penn State and the way that it sets up for the showdown in Columbus, in the horseshoe, the showdown in the shoe, right? The, the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes know that this is going to be a, a top five matchup and it should be in Penn State has been in situations before 2021 was uh, was a top five matchup for Iowa and Penn State. Now, those seasons completely changed after that game. Iowa was no longer a top five team. Penn State certainly wasn't a, a top five team. But now they're in a situation where Penn State doesn't have to go into uh, there aren't any struggle fests. There aren't going to be a lot of games. They're not going to be a stretch of games where Penn State has to go in. And it's like, you know, you're going to get banged up pretty rough. There's going to be bumps and bruises. Let's think of back in 2016 and the way that Penn State, they lost to Pitt. Oh, they lost to Pitt. They lost to Michigan and they took a major, they took some major injuries. And part of that was they didn't have the guys they needed available for that Michigan game. I know that was a 40 to 10 outcome. I don't remember the exact score, but they didn't have the players available. And what I'm getting at is here, those guys returned for the game against Ohio State when the Buckeyes were number two, the whiteout game, and one of the greatest finishes in Penn State, uh, in a Penn State football game in recent memory, and look what happened. So there are none of those bump and bruiser type of games. Penn State can bide its time, be strategic, against Northwestern on the road. You have the bye week in the middle. Then you have UMass. And UMass is just, like I said, they're the 130th best team in the FBS right now. Northwestern made a statement by beating Minnesota. That is very impressive that the Wildcats got a win. I didn't think they would get more than my over-under was set at .5 because they play Howard, <laughs> okay? I did not think the Wildcats would do any better than 1-11. So kudos to them. 
for, for proving the doubters wrong, like myself, proving the haters wrong. They do have some fight in them. It's a, mostly the same team. It's the entire same staff. The only difference is Pat Fitzgerald. So that could, they're going to play Penn State physical. They're going to try to break out of the stops. Uh, that's a kitchen sink type of game for the Wildcats. But what it ultimately means for Penn State here is that they are still significantly better than the Minutemen and the Wildcats. You don't have to get the extended playbook. You can save some things. Michigan's doing the exact same thing because Michigan exploded against Penn State, against Ohio State last season to beat both both teams who finished top 10. The Buckeyes made the college football playoff. Penn State dominated Utah in the Rose Bowl. And Michigan kind of looked like they were sleepwalking their way into the game against the Nittany Lions. And then the Buckeyes, well, they haven't really overly dominated anybody. At Penn State can do the exact same thing. And that is a privilege for them. So when I look at the ground game, for an example, the explosive plays, well, they're not there. That's because Penn State is trying to continue to work on the interior inside zone. Hunter Norzad is playing center for the first time. Vanga Yuane or J.B. Nelson, whoever's at left guard, is a first-time starter for Penn State. Sal Wormley, on the other hand, I think Sal Wormley is a good player, but I'd like to see him get better. The three of them together still have to build some chemistry because they haven't had all the playing time together. And then when you cycle you wanting in from left to right and everything else, you kind of break up that chemistry a little bit. We've seen Penn State have more success with the outside zone. Why aren't they running it? Why aren't they running outside zone when they had a lot of success with it, with Bo Prabula, Catron Allen, Nicholas Singleton, any of them? When they run outside the tackles, they seem to be doing pretty well because Olu Fashion and Caden Wallace right now are the best offensive linemen that Penn State has to offer. As a group collectively, look at them in pass protection. Their pass protection is phenomenal. I would say probably some of the best in the Big Ten. When Drew Aller gets a pocket, I know he's been great at shifting around and moving in the pocket. Aller gets a lot of credit for staying upright and not taking unnecessary sacks, unnecessary quarterback pressures and hits. For a guy who's not a track star, He's pretty mobile within the pocket and the way he's able to quickly move around and avoid defensive linemen. But besides the point, when he doesn't have to face that kind of pressure, the pass protection for Penn State offense on the offensive line is phenomenal, and I have nothing but great things to say about it. But the inside zone running, not good. I, I'd, give it, I'd give it a D grade, maybe even an F, because Penn State isn't having those explosive plays up the middle. But why do they continue to keep doing it? It's like, seriously, the definition of insanity. Mike Yersich, Coach Franklin, what are you trying to accomplish here? And it's because they're trying to work out the little nuts and bolts, the kinks, to make sure that it's better prepared because you are going to need an inside ground game. You are going to need, uh, you're going to have more instances of third and three, third and four, third and two, and you're going to have to be able to turn to that and have it as an option along with your variety of plays. So I like that Penn State is doing what it needs to do right now to win with concealing things for the long term. You can still do that against Northwestern. You have the bye week, and then you have UMass. It's not like Penn State is playing, let's take an example of a Maryland game. I think the Terrapins are going to be tougher. They're undefeated. That's a road game this season in College Park. Not saying they lose to Maryland, but that's a game where you get some bumps and bruises. Maryland's going to play you pretty physical. They see Penn State as a rival. Nittany Lions might not think that, but the Terrapins certainly do. They canceled classes for games, for crying out loud, when they weren't on the level playing field. Well, the playing field is a little more even than it has been in the past. Uh, you can rip me apart in the comments. That's fine. But I hope you're understanding my point is that Penn State doesn't have any overly physical games 
where they're going to need to have players play more snaps, play more minutes, overextend their usage. That's why James Franklin has been so key, has made it a plan, a point of emphasis to have Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen split as many reps as possible because you preserve the tread on the tires. Running backs can easily get worn out. If you're a bell cow, you can lose that longevity by taking so many unnecessary hits. When you have two guys as talented as Allen and Singleton and you don't miss a beat when one, one of them is on the field and it's coming pretty soon, both of them are going to be on the field more often. And we could see that against Ohio State. We could see that again. We will see that against Ohio State. We will see that against Michigan. That's what I'm saying. Penn State gets to conceal the playbook. They don't have, they can avoid some unnecessary, just overextending some players. They benched Hunter Norzad in Olu fashion halfway through the Delaware game. I'm not saying that's going to be the case against Northwestern and UMass, but think about that again going into the fourth quarter. Penn State doesn't need to see what Olu Fashionu can do when Penn State is up 35 to nothing against Northwestern on the road. Sorry, that's not a prove it moment for Fashionu, Norzad, or frankly, any of those other veterans too. And they've already seen that with Drew Aller. They get both Regula in right away, even though I think Drew Aller should frankly be out there since he's only started four games to this point. But let's check in on the comments. I've said an, I've said a lot. I've rambled a lot. I, these are these takeaways are kind of in combination of what's to come and, and with Iowa. But let's check out the comments. We all and whoa, the comments are <laughs> a lot of spam here, actually. But we do have one, and I appreciate that. We'll ignore the spam and we'll talk about this. Great win, thirty-one to nothing, was the same score in our road opener against Iowa at Iowa City. In 1993, grind it out mode will probably be the same plan against Ohio State and Michigan. We need to start making EBPs. Thank you for the comment. I I think that's IV or maybe LV Warrior 1416. I'll talk about the grind it out mentality, actually, because this is something that I pointed out on previous podcasts, on live postgame shows, actually. For Penn State, they now have this capability that they didn't have before at least in 2020 and 2021 winnable games that Penn state, frankly, they have a closer now, right? A closer, a closing pitcher in baseball. They have a closing mentality. They can grind the defense because the two defenses that they have played Illinois and Iowa, they give you yards. They take away the big plays, even Delaware, they take away the big plays, but I'm not going to include Delaware in this since they're an FCS team. But for Iowa and Illinois specifically, two Big Ten opponents that Penn State beat convincingly, Iowa a little more so than Illinois, but I, I think when you beat a Big Ten opponent on the road like that, that still you do deserve a lot more credit than people are giving you. But Penn State able to run the football, sustain drives. We saw in 2020 and 2021, I know 2020 was a, a distant memory, it wasn't a real season, and a lot of things were, were lost in that instance. We know that. But from an X's and O's standpoint, from a, a, the game of football, game planning, and everything else, Penn State did not have the capability to sustain drives. They were quickly on and off the field, three and out. That had to do with Noah Kane getting hurt. That had to do with Journey Brown having the health conditions, the offensive line not being as good as it is now, not being as deep. Depth combined, it's strictly depth, strictly depth, but also, also the talent that you had available to you. Penn State upgraded that talent. And at quarterback, at running back, you have a quarterback that has not turned the ball over to this point and has barely put it in harm's way also. Other than the dropped interception against West Virginia, what bad pass has Drew Aller made 
Yes, he's thrown it out of bounds. Yes, he's thrown it into the turf, but that's by design. Where has he put the football in harm's way? That is one key. He is incredible at protecting the football. Running backs aren't putting the football on the ground barely, right? They did have a couple of loose, but they had some, there were some fumbles, but Penn State able to jump back on them. They have not turned the football over to this point. They were doing that in 2020, 2021. They weren't sustaining drives. They were quickly on the football field, three and out. They couldn't run effectively on first down. They were throwing bubble screens. That's a thing of the past. Penn State is able to grind out these opponents that have defenses that are okay. They're not good at defending yardage. They'll give up the first 90 yards in the football field, but then they get inside the red zone, and then they are really good. Backs against the wall, they're able to turn you away. Penn State tired Illinois out. They tired Iowa out. And they can do that if they get the lead against the Buckeyes. They have that capability. They can do that against the Wolverines because Penn State should have won that game in 2021 against Michigan, but they couldn't close it out. They had the lead, 17-14 to going into the fourth quarter. Why didn't they win that game? I know a lot of other reasons, but the offense couldn't grind the Wolverines' defense out, and they should have ruined that college football playoff season in Beaver Stadium on that day, but they didn't. Now they can't, and that's the biggest difference with this Penn State team and a huge takeaway. Penn State continued to make Iowa's defense miserable. Iowa didn't help itself out because Cade McNamara and the team and Brian, and Brian Ferentz's offense couldn't stay on the field, so Penn State said, okay, we're just going to tire out your defense since you want to keep giving us the dink and dunk, and we'll just make, we'll sustain eight-minute drives. That's killer for a defense, and, and Penn State has, has certainly come a long way with in the, in the past few years so quickly, right? This is something that for five, six years, programs have to build. And Penn State did it like that in, in a matter of two seasons with Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, all the other complimentary pieces on offense that they have in the fold. And, and that's what I really like to see. So we do have another comment. I'll take, I'm taking your comments on the live show. This is your post-game show. We want to hear from you to discuss these things. And then from time for Penn, if we, I assume, if we can't win at Ohio State this year, hard to see when it will happen. This Penn State team is the most talented team since 1994. And part of it is mental and coaching. And I hope we're ready. Thanks for the comment. I think Ohio State, now they did beat Notre Dame. They did beat Notre Dame. But I still think that Penn State has gained ground on Ohio State. Ohio State has taken somewhat of a small step back. But I, I think it does. I think it bodes well for the Nittany Lions, and I think they can beat them in Columbus. I really do. Drew Aller's better than Kyle McCord. Singleton and Allen, honestly, I, I like Travion Henderson a lot, but those two backfields are very comparable. Ohio State's offensive line is not the same that it's been in the past. And let's take a look at the Buckeye schedule because I, I'd like to know, I'd like to know where they are going to be and what teams they're going to face before they get to Penn State, okay? Because they are coming off a Notre Dame game. That's a bumps and bruises type of game, right? You had 17 to 14, a high-profile primetime game. Maryland on Saturday, October 7th. Okay, so they get a bye week here, it looks like. They're going to get a bye week, and so a similar setup for Penn State. But Maryland, tougher than Northwestern and UMass, and then they're on the road at Purdue, so they got to travel one week before. At least Penn State gets the bye week, a home game against UMass, and then they got to go to Columbus. Purdue's not going to mess around. Ryan, Ryan Walters is a Big Ten coach. He was the reason that Illinois' defense was so good a season ago. Penn State, 
I, I think has a slightly better setup than the Buckeyes. You're coming off of Notre Dame, Maryland, who is going to be a top 25 team, I think, when also at the end of the season. And then Purdue on the road, I think, is a little more difficult than Northwestern, the bye week, and UMass. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But for, for Penn State, it is the perfect setup. You can do what Ohio State and Michigan have been doing for quite some time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't have to be worried about it. You can play it as I get one and no mentality. I totally understand, but come on. You are not using the same playbook against Northwestern that you have scheduled out for Ohio State and Michigan. You're just not. You don't need to get that creative with the Wildcats and the men and men. You can argue it if you want. That's fine, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. So we still have some other things to observe from Iowa. Not everything was perfect, but we're going to discuss that uh, coming up on the live postgame show and then some more in-depth thoughts on Northwestern. Well, let's hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is changing the game when it comes to non-alcoholic beers, so it's fitting that we give you a game changer on the football field for the Penn State Nittany Lions, and the game changer is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And my game changer is Chop Robinson of the Penn State Nittany Lions defense. Chop Robinson getting a lot of pressures from the analytics standpoint is an absolute monster, but it hasn't shown up too much in the box score until the game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Multiple sacks, uh, getting pressure on Cade McNamara, and Penn State's defense as a whole could even be a game changer with the four forced fumbles while the three of them, and then you had the one on special teams, Curtis Jacobs as well. Really, Penn State's defense has been a game changer over the past two weeks. And like Penn State's defense, Athletic Brewing is changing the game for non-alcoholic beers. They make beers, non-alcoholic beers, that are actually tasty and are well-crafted. And they taste just like a full-strength beer, but they're non-alcoholic. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use promo code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And just to briefly wrap up this first part of the live postgame show, we're going to have the second half of it. Zane Bransfield, who's been helping me out with the show, the podcast is going to be joining me again to talk about Iowa a little more in depth and then some initial thoughts on Northwestern. But Penn State getting the shutout victory over thirty-one uh, over Iowa 31 to nothing to do something they haven't done. Uh, they shut out a ranked opponent for the first time since the 90s. This Penn State defense is different. That's why I'm glad I see these comments of people finally admitting some people have before, but now it's starting to catch up that this Penn state team is just as good as the national title contenders from the nineties, from the eighties They're They have all the depth in the world. The most important part is the continuity with the coaching staff. There's no disconnect. Players aren't having to learn a new system, build chemistry with new coaches. I get Dion Barnes. Nice thing that he is able to come over and stay with the staff, basically graduate to the defensive line coach position. He's been a Penn State football player himself, right? He knows and understands the culture. But Marcus Haggins comes in, adjusts right away, but there's no, no new defensive coordinator, brand new offense, right? Guys who are integral parts of the coaching staff 
that Penn State hasn't had to replace like in years past. And that's a more or less a good thing, right? Because it means that James Franklin and his staff are really, they're, they're building a coaching tree, guys to go on to the, the, their next stop, their next spot. I get that. But now Penn State had had that continuity with Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz, James Franklin, all working together, and then the players being a part of that too. So then the new players come in, and the veterans who have been there, they all have to adjust at the same time. And then there's that lag. They're behind a little bit. And then it, they start to figure it out as the season goes along, like Penn State's defense last year. Penn State's defense, a little, not that Manny Diaz style we were anticipating. And then they started to turn it on as the middle of the season and then later on in the season as it went along, okay? Because they make adjustments and they learn. Now that's all here. All of that was last year. Now you're in 2023 and the fruits of your labor are, are being sowed here by James Franklin. 31 to nothing shutout victory. I teased it. I didn't think they would do it, but I certainly thought it was a possibility that they were going to shut out Iowa's offense because Iowa's offense is not that good. And Penn State's defense is really good, especially when they're healthy. Okay. And Penn State is doing the right things by getting the true freshmen, the younger players into the game in case opportunities unfold where they least uh, expect to see them, Ohio State, Michigan. But they're in a situation now where they can be strategic with how many snaps players are playing, what plays they are calling against Northwestern and UMass. And that's really that all needs to be said here to conclude the first part of the postgame show.